All right. Well, I'm here with uh, Brother Roger Simpson, and uh, he's been a, uh, a close friend of mine for years. Uh, really respect the work he's doing there at our church for years. He's been doing the uh, New Believers, New Convert class, and uh, I'd like to welcome to the podcast uh, Brother Roger Simpson. How you doing, man? Thanks, uh, Brother Eric. Good to be here with you, and I'm doing great. You know, we uh, some of the challenges, and, and I really just want to kind of, we kind of talk pre-show about and I know we want to get into, you've got a burden on your heart about, about doctrine and, and things like that, and I don't want to stray away from that because I really think that's important. Uh, but I do want to talk about the chaos. I know uh, we had a, a man come through and talked about uh, a lot of chaos going on in the world today. I uh, can't remember his brother, uh, Brother Treese, I believe it was, talked about what we have right now is just a government of chaos. And um, my generation likes to type the chaos that we're having now to some of that of maybe the 60s. I don't know. wasn't there for that. I know you were you were in country in Vietnam during that time in the '60s. Can you? Is you see any contrast with that right now, as far as what we're facing now to what y'all maybe were facing or going through in the '60s? Of course, I was not in church back in the '60s, so it's hard to compare exactly how you perceive things. Yeah. Uh, at that particular point, I don't know that I was real tuned in to what was going on in society around me. Uh, I was always a very introverted person, so I wasn't out there on the yeah. streets or doing the stuff that most of the people were doing. And had been raised in a Christian home, uh, there wasn't that much there, but you could see it. I mean, it was there evident in movies, it was evident in the music, it was evident in just the lifestyle that people were living, uh, but it wasn't evident in mine. I wasn't really a, a right. partaker in it as such. Um, the chaos of today, if I had to say anything, it's multiplied many times over right. the chaos that, that we're seeing in our society. And, of course, we feel like that's probably a plan of someone somewhere yeah. to, to introduce this chaos and try to de destroy the American family, um, the belief in God, faith, anything that would lift us to a higher level of living. seems like they want to tear down right yeah, now. Yeah, and even in the 60s, although there was chaos in the government and the wars and everything that's going on with the protests, there was still that underlining God sense almost, although that not everyone may have been a, mm -hmm. um, a Christian per se, as we'd like to say it, but there's still there was this underlining God theme there. There was a lot more church attendance. Yeah. Uh, people were uh, a lot more willing to quote the Bible and, and say that they lived by some of those principles. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a more religious or spiritual time. Matter of fact, it was in the 60s that the Jesus movement came right, out. It yeah. was, and they were kind of... The hippies yeah. got uh, turned on to Jesus. And that was the one thing that, you know, fashion has a tendency to roll back around a lot of times. But the music that was produced for what they call the Jesus movement, I think they just did a documentary on that type of stuff as far as that is really what developed our contemporary Christian music with choirs and things like that. So although times have changed, it seems like the music that was produced in the 60s the Jesus movement, things like that, is still around today. Sure, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, some of the rock and roll and things like that yeah. that uh, are in, have influenced even sure. Christian music, oh, yeah. I would say. I talked to a few people, David and the Giants, and, and some of the early people in CCM was, was really that. Um, the New new Believers class is something that you've, you've established um, really in our church. How many years ago is that? That's been... Well, I've been here... Is it 14 years yeah. now, plus a few months? Right. 
So uh, I don't know how long it was before we actually started it up, but uh, I think I've probably been doing it at yeah. least ten years here. Yeah. I would you, say you and produced some 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 real good ones too. You know, I know you're real proud of a lot of the the young men and women that's come through your class, and I am too. What's some of the the challenges? I um. Uh, I tell this story, and it's, kind of, it's a heartbreaking story, but um, I think it goes to prove us where we're at in society. I was teaching a Bible study, I think, a year or two ago, and uh, mentioned the word Messiah, and this lady actually thought I was talking about Medusa. <laughs> she said, is that the person with the snakes? And I said, no, that's, that's so doing. So there are people out there that are just totally, totally without any kind of, a, I guess, a God foundation on anything. What do you... The challenges you face on things like that. Have, do we have anybody that has come through? You don't have to name names or anything like that. Have you, or in your in your because you're a Bible connoisseur teacher. Have you ever run across somebody that's just a blank sheet of paper when it comes to to God and the Word of God, and the things of God? Not so much in the new believers class, but in home Bible studies, I have people that didn't know who Noah was right. or who Moses was, or those stories were totally foreign to them. They had not been raised in church at all. Really, uh, so you could not teach the same way to those people you had to explain the background before you could even talk about the principle yeah how, do you, how, how does, that, does that does that throw you a curveball when that happens because to me that would just be the biggest i mean i don't know how because I've, I've always dealt with people that's had some form some form of of, of of i mean how do you and obviously in the new believers class they are that they've right. at least learned enough to to have an interest in serving God and living for God and, and of course even some of those I'm sure probably don't know a lot right. of the stories but uh, when you're dealing with someone in the home and you're trying to even get them an interest in God sometimes you just have to come right out and ask them yeah. uh, what's your knowledge of the Bible have you ever read it have yeah. you ever been to church and and then you just kind of know what you have to talk about you have to go into a lot more detail yeah you can't just talk about Noah's Ark and, yeah. and expect them to understand it all because they, they don't to dig even in deep with, with what Noah's Ark was really telling us. <laughs> so, and uh, and I think you do a great job of that. I I had a um, I had a young girl in, in my Sunday school class today asked me today. She goes, she said my mama said that that Adam and Eve were the first people here. She said, but I thought God was and who created God? And I'm like, who created God? You know? And I'm like, you know what he um. He always has been, you know. Let's move on to something else, you know. Um, I don't know how to. I didn't know how to answer that. To be honest with you, like, who created God? I'm like, no. I mean, how do you tell a child that God always was and always? That's what I told her. I said God has always been. He is the great I am. The I am that I am. I am, you know. And uh, so, just a strange, strange question she threw at me today. So. Well, we are wrapped up in time and space, and yeah. God is not. I know, and that's. Uh, but she had a uh, an inquisitive little mind. I'm very proud of her for that too. She's coming on the bus. You had talked to me about really what's on your heart lately about doctrine and, and some of the things that you want to talk about. I really want to dive into that because I want you to have plenty of time to, to, to tell me your heart today. So what's what, what, what what's going on, Brother Roger? Well, what it has to do with, Eric, uh, I believe is uh, that we are on the verge or we are actually in what I think is probably a, a pretty big spiritual awakening. Um, yeah. I like to get on YouTube. I like to find some preachers out there. I'm usually looking for someone who has the Holy Ghost sure. and maybe has a prophetic ministry. And it's hard to find people who are totally of our, our persuasion uh, out there that are, are talking about such things. 
but I have such an interest in knowing what God's doing, and I believe that God is speaking to some of these people sure. that I, I listen to them, and sure. uh, I try to glean what I can from them. But then usually what will happen is they'll come up with something where they've dug something out of the Word of God that is so outstanding, right. just almost revelatory. And then at the end of it, they will give their, their invitation to salvation. And basically what it is is just an invitation to say a sinner's prayer, yeah. uh, to repeat after them a prayer of, of repentance and, and stating that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and that you make him your Lord and your Savior. And that that is the new birth experience. Right. Some will say, write it down in your Bible. That's the date that you were, yeah. you were saved. And that term saved is, is the term that usually tells me that somebody doesn't really understand right. what the Bible has to say about this whole thing. You know, we're all here for one reason. And because God created us and he wanted us to be redeemed to him. Yes. To live with him forever in heaven. And so... The kingdom of God is what we're trying to get into. Right. Well, Jesus had an interesting conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus, who was one of the spiritual religious rulers of his time, who came to him at night, probably didn't want everybody to know he was coming to right. see Jesus because that wasn't popular. Right. But uh, Jesus made a statement to him. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus had no idea what he was talking about, and you can't blame him. We know what he was talking about now because we're seeing it after the fact. Sure. But at that particular time, he didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, well, how do you get back in your mother's womb right. the second time and be born? And Jesus clarified it then, something that the church world and, and people I wish they would look at with a much more scrutiny is uh, he made a statement and clarified what he at first said about being born again. He said, except a man be born of the water. And of the spirit, right. he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yes. Well, that's a pretty important statement, and that came from Jesus' own lips. So it is in red letters. Yeah. If you're you know, one of those people that only believes what the red letters say. Uh, he made that statement. Now, Jesus said a lot of things that people would not perceive or could not know and understand when he said it. But he said it for a time at a later date that they would, uh, they would be able to then see what he was talking about. And it would all become clear to him. Yeah. So uh, this was maybe towards some of the end of Jesus' ministry when he said this. And it wasn't long after this, he had another conversation with his disciples. And he said, who do men say that I am? And uh, they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some uh, John the Baptist, uh, some prophet. He said, but who do you say I am? And that's when Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he told him, blessed art thou Barjona for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, on this rock I will build my church, yes. and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The revelation of who Jesus was was the rock that he was talking about. He wasn't talking about building a, a Catholic church on Peter as right. the first pope. He was talking about the revelation <laughs> yeah. of who Jesus was. Right. And then he made a comment to Peter, and he said, and I give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Peter's the man with the keys to yes. the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Well, when do we find Peter preaching his first sermon? It's on the day of Pentecost. Right. Now, what did Jesus say a man had to do? He had to be born of water and of the Spirit right. in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so the man with the keys to the kingdom stands up on the day of Pentecost 
when everyone from the nations around had come for the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem, a great multitude of people there. And here were 120 people that were in an upper room because Jesus had told them to go and stay there and wait there until they were endued with power from on high, meaning to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as they were there and the Holy Ghost was poured out, we know that they became pretty excited and right. were talking in other tongues sure. and were apparently acting crazy enough, uh, strange enough, let's put it that way, that the people around that could hear them wondered if they were not crazy or if they were not drunk. I'm sorry. Right. <clears throat> and of course, Peter then stood up and said, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so we have the beginning of the church age on that day. So uh, Peter preaches a very convicting message. The people that are there that have seen all this and wondered what was going on then finally asked the question, well, what do we do? Because he basically notified them that they had crucified the Messiah. Yeah. And he said, well, what do we do, brother? And he said, if you'll repent yes. and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he went on to say this promise is to you, to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, what did Jesus said? You have to be born of water and of the Spirit. And what did Peter preach? Of course, repentance right. is the first step. There's no sense trying to do the rest if you haven't repented of your sins. But he went on to say then you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. That's born of water. Right. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is born of the Spirit. Yes. And so that is the new birth. Nowhere anywhere in the scripture, and Acts is a pretty good uh, documentary of, of new conversions, yeah. how people were, were born again or saved. That seems to be the term that a lot of the church world likes to use is saved. Yeah. Usually when they say that, though, I know what they're talking about. They said the sinner's prayer. Yeah. And what's going to happen uh, is that people are going to hear that teaching that false teaching about salvation and believe that and put their faith in that. And then it's going to be very, very difficult to ever actually allow them to, to see the truth yeah. of what it takes to be saved. You can go into Acts chapter eight. You can go, well, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Yeah. All of those give an example of people who were converted. And in every case, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and they received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, there's a belief out there right now that you can get saved by uh, saying the sinner's prayer. And then to th at that point, you're saved and you're ready to go, other than that you ought to go on. This is the, what I've heard some people say, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that makes it sound like it's optional. Like, yeah, it, yeah maybe it'd be a good thing to have, yeah. but uh, not necessarily yeah something you have to have so many so many things on that that i just kind of want to dive in and maybe pick apart for a few minutes what do you say to the ones that and i've seen the the baptisms where uh, somebody will be baptized and they'll say the name of the father the name of the son the name of the the holy spirit holy ghost and jesus is his name and they and they do that you know um to me that's always a little bit <clears throat> it's like like uh, trying to butter sure. your bread on right, both yeah, sides. Trying to, <laughs> trying to get like, okay, let's get everything. Uh, uh, don't you talk about that? But also, uh, you talk about bringing out the Acts and, and bringing out the book of Acts. One of my favorite stories in that is when they found disciples of John. 
and they didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost, you know. And um, that's just one of my favorite stories. Like, you know, if they bust up, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, disciples of John, you need the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about? What are you talking about the Holy Ghost, you know, which still baffles me that John still had disciples way back then, but that was something else that I like to talk about. But tell me, what do you Let think Let me give about? you some more insight yeah. into that story. Yeah. Years ago, there was a man who wrote a track called The Rest of the Story. Remember Paul Harvey? Yes. And he would. And we may have talked about this he, before. The Rest of the Story. Well, actually, in the previous chapter to the, the what you're calling the Disciples of John, it yeah. doesn't ever really say that that's who they were. Right. It just said that certain disciples uh, or certain... Anyway, in the chapter before that, Apollos had been there teaching and preaching what he knew of the Word of God. He was very eloquent, and he was using the Old Testament scriptures to prove that Jesus yeah. was the Messiah. But there was a couple that was there, Aquila and Priscilla, that heard him talking, and it says that they took him to their house and they taught him the way of God more perfectly. And what it was was he did not know everything that was being taught by the church. He was the disciple of John, probably. Okay. And gotcha. so these people became disciples of his. So all they knew what he was teaching in that city when he was there. He was a very powerful speaker. Right. He could persuade men. So when Paul came along, these disciples, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, they all they understood was John's was baptism John's. because that's all Apollos knew gotcha. to preach before yeah. then. But then he left there and went someplace else, and Paul had to come along and fill in. Paul was always constantly chasing <clears throat> him, getting the update, so to speak. He was, okay. giving, he was giving him the rest of the right. story, yeah. kind of like Paul okay. Harvey did. Uh, so what about... What about the just throwing in everything on the baptism as far as Father, name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Jesus, and all that? What do you have you seen that? Or is that yes, just something? I've, what I do know you think some about people that, do that? You know, I'm not wild about that. Yeah. Um, Does it cover? I mean, I mean, I, mean, I know here's well, first of all, uh, there's Paul said in First Corinthians 13, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, right. let every word be established. And he was, uh, and he said, this is the third time I've come to you. So he's saying, you know, when something is repeated several times, it, uh, it is one of the things that you can use to determine truth. Yeah. Okay. So we have one scripture in all of the Bible, Matthew uh, 26, 18, whatever, 26, whatever it is, 28, 16. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. That's the only time in Scripture that it ever says that. Right. Now, either we have a contradiction in Scripture or else uh, they understood what that Scripture meant because from that point on, when they baptized people, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right. Now, uh, just for instance, also, Romans chapter 6, it mentions that as many of you as were baptized were baptized into the likeness of his death. Now, who died? Jesus. Jesus is the only one who died. The Father never died. Right. The Holy Ghost never died. How could you baptize someone into the likeness of the death of someone who didn't die? The only one who died was Jesus. Right. And we know from history that the original church always baptized their new believers in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it wasn't until the Council of Nicaea at 325 A.D., right that people began to change to a Trinitarian formula of baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's real important to understand what baptism means to us. Baptism is not the little deal. See, I heard a man say the other day, and this was kind of what got me fired up. Yeah. Got the Holy Ghost, preaching a great message, 
and then to, to make a statement like some people say you got to be baptized to be saved but that's not true well there's scripture that right. says you do yeah mark uh, 16 16 says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved right uh and that's why i brought some notes with me yeah. if you yeah. want me to yeah get your notes man yeah man do what you do you, you know what bap well i don't want to put you on the spot on your own uh but do you know what baptism is the equivalent of sure what oh yeah go, go ahead, ahead and tell you, huh? you go ahead and tell me <clears throat> okay first of all where did who was the first believer uh that started following God in the Bible. Someone that God chose him, made a covenant with him that uh, I'll be your God and you can, you'll can be my people. Yeah, Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. Eventually, God comes to Abraham and makes a covenant with him that the only way that he and his people would be in covenant with God was through a covenant called circumcision. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, uh, what does that have to do with us? Well, first of all, I can't remember exactly the, the scripture number. It's in Second uh, Timothy, like 3.16. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, mm -hmm. that the man of God may be perfectly, uh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So uh, at the time that Paul wrote that to Timothy, how much scripture did they have? Right, not a lot. All they had was the Old Testament. Yeah. The New Testament has, was in the process of being written. So our doctrine, we should be able to find in types and shadows from the Old Testament. Yes. Uh, in another place, uh, there was a prophecy that came out of the book of Psalms. It's quoted in Hebrews. It, it's, as, it's as though the Messiah is speaking. He says, Lo, uh, then came I. Uh, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. So in the volume of the book, it's talking about the Messiah, and the volume of the book is all the way back to the beginning, to the, to, from Genesis to the book of Revelation. We should be able to find references to Jesus, if not by name, but types and shadows yes. of the salvation that he was going to bring. And so early on, we see something established with Abraham where God was going to select people out of the earth to represent him in the earth to be his people for him to be their God. And he made the, the comment to Abraham, it's in Genesis chapter 17, we won't read, the whole, read that, but he basically told him that every man-child man had to be circumcised, whether they were born in the house or bought with money and brought into the house, so that if, he, if they were going to be a part of all of this, they had to be circumcised. Yes. And so uh, he said the male child whose foreskin is not circumcised, that soul is cut off from his people because he has broken my covenant. Okay. So that sounds to me like you don't have the covenant with God, you're lost, right? Right. When a statement like that is made by God. So now we get into the New Testament, and we're, we're hearing a message of being born of the water, born of the Spirit. Born of the water, we understand because of, of enough Scripture after that that tells us we've got to be baptized. Uh, but we go into Galatians chapter th 3, which is, a chapter that has a lot to do with how the Gentiles were brought into the covenant that mm -hmm. God gave to Abraham. In Genesis cha or Galatians chapter 3, verses uh, 27 through 29, it says, uh, 
for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. Now, it doesn't say into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Into Christ. Christ is Jesus. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Then there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male Mm. nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, Abraham's natural seed, I believe he's got two types of seed, a natural seed, the Jewish people, right. spiritual seed, which is those who, who have come in to this covenant uh, on the spiritual side, right. the church, basically. But God didn't do away. He told Abraham this is an everlasting covenant. Everlasting, I think, would include the day that we're living in right now. So how are we uh, to be uh, circumcised? Let's, uh, let me look here at a scripture. It's in Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 12 is what I've got down here. But it says, Beware lest any man spoil you th- through philosophy the thoughts of men, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ, for in him, Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, colon, means the next verse has to do with what we've just been talking about, which is the circumcision of Christ, and it says... Buried with him in baptism, wherein ye are also risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. Even that last verse tells us water baptism. And once you've been water baptized, you should be expecting to get the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, or you should receive the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Now, here's the other verse. Is baptism necessary for salvation? If we read... uh, let me just repeat back in uh, uh, Mark sixteen sixteen, It says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's Mark sixteen sixteen. Now here's an interesting verse that Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. He's talking about the times of Noah and the people that were there uh, around Noah's, Noah's preaching to them and trying to persuade them to get in the ark to be saved. But he said, which sometime were disobedient, talking about all of the people that were there in the world, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's saying right there that Noah and the ark and the flood that came is a type of the same salvation of water that we experience today. Now, in that last verse I read, there was a parenthetical statement in the middle of that verse. So if I left that out, it would say this. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The parenthetical statement is saying, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. So he's saying baptism is not just like taking a bath. You're not cleaning off your body dirt with baptism. But it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. 
So if we are correct in what we say and how we understand the scripture to say that baptism in the name of Jesus is for the remission of sins, that means anything I've ever done wrong in my life, if I'll be baptized in Jesus' name, which is my circumcision now, yeah. that's how I enter into this covenant with God is through baptism, that no longer do I have any of those sins that were hanging over my head, but now I can stand before God with a clear conscience knowing that none of those sins are going to be accounted unto me ever again because yeah. they're now washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, he said it's the like figure where baptism did also save us, that the water. So that was an interesting question that I had to myself. Well, how did the water save them back in Noah's day? I thought the ark saved them. But if you think about how the world was, the world was so wicked, it had, it had brought the judgment of God on mankind where he's, he repented for making them and said, I'm going to destroy them. Yeah. And so you had the earth full of sin, but when those people got in that ark and managed to survive all of the water that came across there, what was the earth like afterwards? All the sin had been removed. Yeah. All the filth, all yeah. the dirt, all the corruption was gone. And they literally had a brand new start in this world. And that's what baptism does for us. It gives us a brand new start. There's a lot of people out there that don't believe in it. They don't think it's necessary to salvation. And I've just read two verses that indicate yeah. that it has something to do with our salvation. And Acts 2.38 itself states that you have to repent and then be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for what? For the remission of sins. Yeah. That's how our sins are removed. So I don't believe if you don't do it the right way, the scriptural way that you have that covenant yeah. with God. And basically, uh, you know, when David met Goliath, what did he call him? Yeah. Uncircumcised An uncircumcised Philistine. Yeah. Well, that wasn't just talking about his, his, his bodily. He, yeah. was, he was talking about the fact that Goliath... You have no covenant with God, but I do, and my covenant and the token of it is my circumcision. Right. And so we, through baptism, which is the circumcision of Christ, have a covenant with God that we can look to anyone who doesn't have that and, and, and basically say, you uncircumcised Philistine, you know, you're, you're not going to defeat me. Yeah. I have a covenant with God. I am God's people that my covenant goes all the way back to Abraham. Thousands of years ago, God was still honoring the same covenant that he made with him. Now, Eric, I believe that you ought to have two or three witnesses to show things. So sure. I feel like the Old Testament has all kinds of types and shadows about this plan of salvation that's in Acts 2.38 of repentance, water baptism, and then receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's born out in the uh, tabernacle mm -hmm. if anybody's ever studied yeah. the tabernacle the first place you would come to when you would enter in there would be the the brazen altar it was a place of death it was a place of sacrifice a place of dying and of course that represents jesus death on the cross he's he was our sacrifice well the priests were commanded to go to a laver that was full of water brazen yeah. laver they had to wash their hands and feet before they could go into the holy place and God told him, he said, if you don't wash before you go in there, you're going to die. Right. It was necessary. Well, that is a type of our baptism, a type of Jesus' burial. I mean, but doesn't the Bible say we're buried with him through right. baptism? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the high priest once a year would go in the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, and that represented the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So I said to myself, well, if Abraham is the beginning of all of this, then those three steps in type and shadow should somehow be in his life. 
if I'm going to be consistent. Sure. So I asked, okay, Lord, is there something about Abraham that would fulfill that repent and baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost? So obviously, the first thing I would think of was when he left Ur of the Chaldees, that was his repentance. He was, he was turning from yeah. wicked and sinful life right. and was going to follow God. Okay, so what was his baptism? Well, we've already established that baptism and circumcision are the same thing. So that right. was his type and shadow of baptism. And then the question that comes about the Holy Ghost, well, what, did, did Abraham ever get the Holy Ghost? Well, when he was 99 years old and, and Sarah was 90, they were basically dead in their reproductive organs. They could not have children. It yeah. was past that time. They were dead. But you know what? God resurrected sure. yeah. their, them back to life to be able to bear children. And once Abraham came back to life, he was so alive that after Sarah died, he got another wife and had several more children. Yeah. So uh, that shows me, again, that, that, that supernatural bringing to life that happens when we receive the Holy Ghost. Now, some people will ask about the Holy Ghost. Do you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Ghost? And uh, I will say this, that uh, in that same John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking about the new birth, he made a strange comment in, in, chapter, in verse 8 of John chapter 3. He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, mm -hmm. thou hearest the sound thereof, canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus had just previously said a few verses earlier, except a man had to be born of water and of the Spirit. And then he goes down there a few verses and explaining a little bit about this, this birth of the Spirit or what it means uh, to be born of the Spirit, and he likens it to the wind. And so the Holy Ghost, like the wind, you can't see it. Right. You can uh, see the effects of it just right. like the wind blows and you see the leaves blowing the trees moving and, and it said you hear the sound of it well that word sound is the greek word phone and that's where we get our word phonics from hooked on phonics yeah you know so uh it means a speech a language a, a saying as well as a sound so what the lord was saying that there's going to be some sound associated with everyone who receives the Holy Ghost, who's born of the Spirit. And, of course, we know from the Scriptures in the book of Acts that the only thing that was there on every one of the occasions that it mentions someone being filled with the Holy Ghost was that they spoke in other tongues. So, yeah, we're a firm believer in that. But uh, I just don't want the world to think today that they can say a sinner's prayer and, and that that is enough. I really believe it's sincere, and I don't want to, yeah. to make fun of anyone for doing that because repentance goes a long ways with god yeah and uh, i believe that some of uh, people have a very very strong relationship with the lord but at the same time that that covenant of baptism that's not something you can just pick to or choose to to do or not do it was commanded peter who had the keys to the kingdom said on the day of pentecost the birth of the new church that okay uh, you've got to repent, and you've got to be baptized. He gave those commands, and then the optional, the, if there was anything optional, was that you have the, the ability to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That if you'll do your part, God will do his part, and he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Now, this always brings up a question that people say, if you've got to be baptized to get to heaven, then what about the thief on the cross? Right. You ever heard that one? Oh, yeah, all the time, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so what about the thief on the cross? 
Eric, was he in the Old Testament or the New Testament? He was in the, well, I'd say the, the New Testament, yeah. Well, he's in the New Testament well, as far as our writings right, yeah, go. Yeah, Old Testament under covenant. Yeah, under, under yeah, covenant. Yeah, he was in the Old, Old Testament. Testament yeah. Baptism hadn't even yeah. given yet as yeah. a command. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know what? That's right. You're absolutely right. He was still, although the, the covenant was different than it was after the new covenant yeah. really did not start until the day of Pentecost. Well, yeah. Yeah, That's right. when the command was given of, okay, this, yeah. before you had to do these things yeah. and believe in God and follow God and, and you had to operate under. Is that, is that, is that original with you, Brother Roger? I don't phenomenal. know that I've ever heard anybody say it. but uh, Because I've always considered, and I guess just um, the writings that, you know, the Gospels are New Testament, but you're, right, you're absolutely right. The covenant hadn't been established yet as far as the new birth. No, Jesus covenant. had that's to why, die. That's, that's amazing. He had to take that blood yeah. to the Holy of Holies wow. in heaven, the mercy seat there, wherever that that's is. That's exciting right there. And yeah. then uh, it's kind of like the, the tongues of fire, I think, on the day of Pentecost may have been God's way of showing those Jewish people yeah. that he had accepted the sacrifice. Wow. You know, so, well, see, I'd always Because you heard, never see it again. Yeah, and I'd always heard wasn't so much the baptism part of it was the speaking in tongues part of it like that's the holy uh, the um that's the thief on the cross didn't get the holy ghost the way you're saying again the holy ghost because he had he wasn't uh speaking it, in tongues but just you make it was not the command it yet. wasn't yeah wow yeah he was he he could be saved strictly by his yeah his faith and obedience wow. to the lord now that's yeah. that's 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 good <laughs> really because i've never heard that oh i don't guess i'd ever i don't guess i've really thought about the dispensation of time that we were talking about here as far as with you know the new covenant that was was coming after the, the day, day of pentecost, pentecost was know, a clear we were cut. still in the dispensation dispensation of 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 grace am i right about the old testament grace and whatever thing we had to do as it far was, as it was considered the time of the law right the law yeah okay yeah. and grace didn't really start yeah. until I the church age yeah, yeah i had them back i had them backwards yeah okay yeah the law but, so he, he was under but the it was a the clear law. cut distinction of when it happened. Wow. Yeah. It happened on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. That's the birth of the church. So That's true. That's the thing that they didn't see in the Old Testament that was going to happen. You know, the, the Old Testament Jews just thought that Messiah was going to come and set up a kingdom, and that was it. Yeah. Didn't realize that there was going to be a long gap of time between yeah. uh, Daniel's 69th week and his 70th yeah. week. So anyway. You know, I've always considered, um, you know, the book of Acts to be the birth. Well, obviously it is the birth of the church and then the birth of the new covenant dispensation. And really, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, is Old Testament. It's still under <laughs> it the Old, Old Testament. Testament. Wow. Yeah, under yeah, that's Old crazy. Testament covenant. That, that's crazy. Though. I've never thought about that, but that's just the truth. And see, a lot of people try to use John 3.16 as the salvation message, and yet the plan of salvation was not yet given. Right. Uh Jesus alluded to it and said lots of things that yeah. would lead you in the direction of sure. it when it finally we have the benefit wow. of looking back yeah. and seeing how it all panned out and literally the things that Jesus said had to happen did happen. Yeah. He said that uh, he said uh, they that believe in me on the, as the scripture hath said out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for he was not yet given because he had not yet been glorified. Jesus had to die before the Holy Ghost, which is the spirit of Jesus Christ. We talk about the Holy Ghost, but 
what does the Bible say? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the yeah. Holy Ghost is really just the spirit of Jesus Christ coming back to be among us. When he was in his physical form as a man, he couldn't have been everywhere at the same yeah. time. But now he can be in every one of us and, and talking to us and leading us and guiding us. And it's a great thing. Yeah. I don't know why people don't want the Holy Ghost, Eric. I don't, you know, I was going to, I wanted to kind of to, to talk on that. Um, now it seems like, and, and to me, you know, I could be wrong with this. To me, it seems like that 20 years ago when I first got in church and I had a, a drastic change and I got the Holy Ghost and um, the Lord touched me, really it was more that I had never felt that before, you know. And I was always a pretty non-traditional or non-religious type person, although I had a had a, a little bit of a solid background, but, but not a whole lot, nothing really solid, honestly. But I knew I'd come into contact with, A, something real, and something powerful, and it made me want more, you know. Um, and then there were things that I just didn't think was a big issue to give up when I got full of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, like uh, some of the things that people battle. I, I just was one to just walk away from a lot of things, you know. Um, not that it's been easy, but to me it seems like with new converts and people coming to the church, to me it's not so much the baptism and it's not so much the holy ghost because 20 years ago i had friends to tell me well there's no such thing as that that speaking in tongues is just that, that's mumbo jumbo well obviously times have changed and it's not you've gotten more charismatic lively tongue-talking churches now that to me it's the coming out from beyond and being separate part that i see people have a problem with it's not so much and i know there's people out there that's preaching against baptism and preaching against that but what I see a lot in the in the in the the realm of, of of social media and things like that, they believe in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. They believe in baptism. You know, so they'll go big time on baptism. You know, they may throw Jesus in there on top of everything else, but the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues is still is a supernatural thing they they believe in, and they even do believe in water baptism. But it's the separation of the world that seems to be throwing a big curveball to a lot of people, um, and that's one thing that. And, and maybe it was just the time I got into church and all that. That was never an issue for me, you know. Um, you know, I had, you know, somewhat not a decent haircut. I had some things on me that, you know, but that was not a big issue for me to give up. But now it seems like it is, you know. So I don't know. Maybe that's just something that I've been witnessing, you know. Uh, it doesn't seem like. And there are some that just don't want the Holy They don't believe in it. But as a majority, I'm, I don't run across many people that don't believe in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You know, they just don't like. We're living in a world it, that know. has had so much media pumping into people's minds. Yeah. That it's pretty hard to imagine living a life like what we're describing, a, a separated right. from the world. But uh, in the reality of it all, you know, when the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of you know, darkness and high places and stuff like that, it indicates that really our whole battle is against spirits. Right. And, uh, you know, Brother Copeland preaches it, and I know a lot of other uh, people do too, that there are, there are spirits that are involved in Hollywood and, sure. and music yeah. and uh, Absolutely. Uh, any of the medias that we might have coming at us. There's usually some spirit behind there that's trying to brainwash us into thinking a particular way. And, but if we take the normal 
where that goes to, what the end result's going to be, you wind up with a world like we have today right? where you don't know if you're a guy or a girl. Yeah. Uh, you can be whatever you want to be. Sure. Uh, marriage doesn't matter. Uh, you can kill children even after they're born. Sure. No. Uh, yeah. And it's okay. Um, and if you do lots of studying into the things that are behind all of this and, and why they are here, you'll find that there are old spirits that have been around for a long, long time, and they've just been working and wearing people down to where people just can't even see uh, what they, they're supposed to see anymore. But it's not the case all the time. Right. You know, we've seen folks come in, and, man, as soon as they get the Holy Ghost, it's like they just let everything oh, yeah. go. Uh, others have maybe got more, uh, I hate to use it, brainwashing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but really, brainwashing yeah. is something that has been done a lot of in yeah. our world. Uh, through media, through yep. movies. Uh, I wasn't so much thinking here as just I've got a lot of media out there as far as with Facebook and Instagram, things like that. So I see a lot, you know, and uh, I read a lot as far as, you know, the things that doesn't seem to be important to some people. You know, there's I don't know how how they can get um, so much right and wrong altogether. <laughs> you know, they got the. They've got uh, the Holy Ghost and they've got uh, baptism, but then everything else just off the radar on anything else. And so I don't understand that part of it. But like you said, I know people have just been. Well, I think maybe, God wants us to be different enough that when people see us, they're going to know there's something different about right, that person. Right. You know, with the Jews, he, uh, they, I'm, I'm sure all of those people, the olden days out there in the Middle East yeah. countries were were wearing long robes, you know, to protect yeah. themselves from the sun and stuff. But he told them, he said, you're supposed to put a tassel on the corners of your garments with a blue string in it that everyone will know right. that you're in covenant with me. And so we don't have that tassel and blue string now, but we, we dress modestly. Sure. We, we do, you know, there's scriptural instruction on what your hair ought to look like. Sure. There's scriptural, scriptural instruction on... on makeup there's strict uh, scriptural instruction on uh jewelry and adornment uh and if we'll just listen to those things that was not even a big deal until maybe a, what a hundred and a little over a hundred oh, years yeah. ago not, not, yeah the whole rest of the world lived kind of like what we do now sure so uh it doesn't bother me to look different than the rest of the world matter of fact i kind of take some i hate to use the word pride yeah but uh I, there's a gladness in it, especially when I see the way the world is going right yeah. now. That uh, that I can say that you know somehow I've seen the revelation that when we do separate from this worldly yeah. uh, atmosphere and uh, try to do it God's way, yeah. that your life is just a whole lot happier, full of a lot less trouble, yeah. and uh, things just seem to go right because you got God in there. Yeah, leading. And nothing ever is perfect, but I want to, we've been talking about a lot. I want to know what drew you to Christ, Brother Roger. I mean, I know there's probably a lot of things that would embellish all that. But for me, it was just, I felt something, I knew something. And then the burden of having to know that I wasn't finished, you know, obviously with what I was trying to get done, you know, that was the big thing for me. Once I knew you know, I've, I'm oblivious to a lot of things. You know, Holly says I never pay attention to anything, which I won't deny that. 
But once I get the instructions that I've got to do this, this is that's kind of what drove me. And I don't know about you, but I'd be interested to know what kind of drove you towards this path of learning and, and everything that you've, you've well, taken the last several It's years. interesting because I was raised in a Baptist minister, minister's home, and one of the comments that he would make at the time was uh, that people that spoke in tongues were of the devil. Yeah. God didn't do that anymore. And I don't know why that I ever prayed this prayer, Eric, but it was as a Baptist boy, you know, the Baptist church, at the end of service, they put on, or they, they play just as I am. Right. Everybody goes up front and rededicates themselves. And if you've never been saved sure. before, you ask the Lord to save you. And I remember being up there at one of those altar calls. Now, I don't know if while my uncle was preaching, I was reading out of the book of Acts. All I remember, and it took me a while after I got the Holy Ghost to remember this, but I prayed a prayer, and it was a simple prayer. I said, Lord, if there's any way I could ever experience this, yeah. I want to. And it was that book of Acts experience, people speaking in tongues and the miraculous, the supernatural. You know, everything in the Bible from beginning to end is supernatural. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's all full of miracles and yeah. supernatural events and things like that. And so I guess that drew me, that part of it. I mm -hmm. wanted to, to have that. So years later, as a backslidden Baptist boy doing drugs and drinking and, and just, you know, whatever I could uh, find to do that was wrong, um, I would sometimes at night. I guess I would think about the Lord, but I almost can't say that I was really looking for him right then. My life was was in a lot of confusion. I didn't have anything great going on. Um, did, you know, I didn't have a wife. I wasn't settled. I was actually traveling at the racetrack, believe it or not. I was a junkie oh, really? at the horse races. I did not know that. <clears throat> and I had met a girl in the past who I'd had some wild times with. That uh, Guys just seemed like they really were attracted to her and liked her. And she called me one day when I was down in Phoenix, Arizona. I was racing at uh, Turf Paradise in Phoenix. Yeah. And we were getting ready to come back to, to Denver to go to Centennial Racetrack. And uh, she said, when you come up here, would you go to church with me? I've started going to this Pentecostal church, and I'd like for you to visit it with me. Well, she had been kind of like a girlfriend before. And so I hate to admit it, but, Eric, that's the first thing that got me to go to church was well, a girl. Well. And I remember the first time I walked in saying to myself, these people are crazy. I'm sure. never coming back yeah. here again. But I, here I am. Right. Uh, and as it wound up, uh, as far as I know, she's not even living for God anymore. But something got a hold of me yeah. and it stuck. And so I resisted this message of, of one God, Jesus' name, baptism, receiving the Holy Ghost. I'd hear it preached. And it would kind of just tick me off and make me mad because I'd say, if this was true, then how come I've never heard this before? Yeah. You know, I have never heard it preached before. Uh, but I looked at the lives of the people around me that were at that church. I, I kept coming back because of this one girl. Right. But uh, I would see those people, and I thought, man, these people are actually living what they believe. Where I was used to people going to church and, and kind of believing yeah. it and then doing whatever during the week. You know, God wasn't that big a part of the center of yeah. their life. But with these people, you could tell God was a big part of them, the center of their life. And I remember being opposed to Jesus' name, baptism. And I remember arguing with myself, if you will, 
I said, why am I so opposed to Jesus' name? That that doesn't seem like that should be right. such a bad thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I, it's almost like there was a spirit that just did not want me to believe that. And when I, I asked myself that question and I realized that, it was like the next service, uh, someone asked me, do you want to be baptized? And I started to pull back, and I said, yes, I do. And I remember from that night on, man, it was there was... It was, I had just made a decision, you know what, I'm sick and tired of my life the way it is. I want to live for God. And uh, I knew that there was supernatural stuff around all of this, that people were talking in tongues, that there were miracles, and and all of that attracted me. Uh, But what really attracted me, I guess, the most was the lifestyle of the people that said they believed this. They were consistent with what they were preaching. And uh, to me, that was was a cool thing. Yeah. You know, so anyway, because nobody wants to be a hypocrite. Right. You know, you know, so many folks have, um, we've talked about so much of that, uh, just me and um, some of my the friends at church and things around that, is that um, you find you find somebody real. And, you know, although they might not be perfect, but like you said, they're living, they're living what they believe. And I think that's Yeah, they're that's trying really, to be led by the Lord yeah. and by the Word of God and... And, you know, people want that right now. America actually wants that right now. They've yeah. seen what the the just letting it all go and throwing God out of everything yeah. has done, and it's created the chaos you were talking about. Yeah. And so people are reaching out and, and reaching for God. And I just hope that in the times that are coming, because I do believe that this could be a time of great harvest and revival well, we've seen in the earth, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that... Uh, that people are not deceived by the many, many voices that are out there. There's a lot of them on the media that want to ask people to just come and accept the Lord as your personal Savior. And to me, that's only the equivalent of of what we call repentance. Yeah. And there's more to go on beyond that, that that washing away of sins in the name of Jesus and then getting the power. You know, the Holy Ghost is the power to resurrect us when we have to go from here to the other side. Whether we're alive or whether we're dead, it's going to be the Spirit of God that actually can translate us from this realm to the next realm. Yeah. Without it, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. It's like our rocket fuel to get out of Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. It's, well, it's I, the Holy Ghost. I want to get out of here. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to uh, put a link in a, in, a, in a thing, if you don't mind, because I know you've got a Bible study you wrote yourself that you use. Uh, would you would that be available to people if they were to contact you and said they'd like a copy of that? Is that something you? I mean, I have it on uh, on pen drive where yeah. it can be okay. emailed to people. Okay. Yeah. Was that something you'd be interested in 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 sending oh, to people? I always am willing to okay, share cool. anything I've got. Okay. Well, uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll put a link in the description to this. If uh, anybody out there uh, would like to know more, they can contact Brother Roger Simpson because they don't need to contact me. So. <laughs> Man, I appreciate your time, Brother Roger. Oh, Thank sure. you so much. And man, what a thought! What a thought about the thief on the cross, man. That was probably worth everything there. <laughs> that was amazing. I'd never well, seen it that way. We just got to understand the importance of baptism. Yeah. Baptism is not a small thing. No, sir. It's a big thing. It's a blood covenant between us and God. And yes, sir. in a blood covenant, when people became blood brothers, oh yeah, and they did that. You know, one person was saying to the other person. Everything I've got is yours. Yeah. Your enemies are my enemies. Yeah. Uh, I'll do anything I can to protect you and for you. And if I've got it, it's yours. Yeah. And uh, if I ever fail to do it, then I'm worthy of death. Right. 
That's the kind of a blood covenant water baptism is for us. And we're saying to God, and this is where I think some people fail, is they, for, they forget to count the cost of what it takes to live for God. Is it an easy route? Mm-hmm. Well, it is easier to me than it was living in the world. Yeah, but sure. at the same time, it's not. It's not like God just eliminates all of the, the difficulties and problems in your life. You're going to count a cost. You're going to have people that won't want to talk to you anymore, don't want to be your friends anymore if you choose to follow sure. God. And that's part of it. So when you count the cost uh, and you're willing to pay the price, it's not such a big deal no. living the way that we live. And, uh, man, I had a thought and I lost it, Eric. i seen you grab for it. Yeah, and it's gone. It is gone as well, it can we'll, be. we'll talk it back in yeah, here if you want yeah. to. I didn't know how long you, no, that's you felt like going. Uh, it's just basically... You know, I believe this with all of my heart. Yes, I believe that the Bible totally and completely supports yeah. what I've been saying today. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you I appreciate your studying, and I appreciate you dedicating your life to that because I know that uh, so many people's come through your class. I'm almost kind of jealous that I didn't have to go through it. I'd like to have gone through it. You know, well, we've got some older saints uh, coming through. Right I, now. I may need to. I mean, I, I may need to take a. I may need to get that pen dry from you. But anyway, I appreciate everything you've said. Uh, it was really good, brother Roger. I appreciate right, you coming by. The, thank you for the opportunity. Oh man, to yeah. Say well, yeah. And I'm gonna get it out there. And if anybody's interested in uh, getting some some uh, material from Brother Roger Simpson, I'll be putting a, a link to his uh, Facebook page. Um, or maybe they can, yeah. they can, or ever how you want to do it, email address or whatever you want to do. We'll, yeah, if they uh, we'll, would, they, they could email me. Yeah, we'll yeah. work out the details yeah. about your emails and all that. But anyway, I appreciate y'all listening. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good night. Bye bye.